The retirement and IRA show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement and IRA Show coming to you from beautiful northern Colorado. Join us as certified financial planner Jim Saunier, as well as Colorado State University finance instructor and certified financial planner Chris Stein, teach you about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, social security, pension plans, and estate planning in a fun and enjoyable show. Whether you are listening live in Colorado or streaming from their website or iTunes podcast, Jim and Chris want you to know that they're available to help you plan for your retirement. Just visit their website at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. And click the Meet the Team button on the homepage. Now here's Jim and Chris with today's show. Hello and welcome to the Retirement and IRA Show EDU edition for this week. Uh, this week's show is prompted by at least one email that we've gotten recently where uh, they were asking us a bit about something we mentioned on a recent show uh, about uh, RMD calculations, uh, what we call aggregation rules, how you can kind of combine uh, your calculations for RMDs amongst multiple accounts and take distributions uh, from the account of your choice. That's probably the simplest way to describe aggregation how that applies to maybe some of the changes in recent SECURE Act that uh, Congress has put forth, uh, causing a bit of confusion. We've pointed out on many you know, many episodes here um, that uh, Congress left some holes in their legislation that the IRS is yet to fill in completely. We're slowly getting guidance, and a few open elements are being clarified by the IRS, but they're still kind of a, a gaping hole for clarification on how to uh, apply a certain new aspect of RMD calculations when you have an annuitized annuity inside of your IRAs. And uh, a listener reached out to us, and, and I think uh, you'll find uh, we need to clarify a few things. They were confused about how a few things worked, but uh, we usually find that if if one person is confused about something, there's many people that are confused about something, and that leads us to a show like today. So uh, Jim has the entirety of the email, and he'll share it as appropriate for us to dive into the topic today, but uh, that's where that's where we're headed. So once uh, Jim's all settled and unmutes his microphone, he'll uh, bring forth the topic in the form of an email prompt from a listener. Was that my cue? I found it. That's I get you. Excellent. Well, hello, everybody. Hope everybody's doing fine. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, the 23rd. I believe it will start to play Wednesday morning, the 24th. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this Wednesday morning on the 24th, you are a, a busy beaver getting right to it, jumping right in when, when this hits the airwaves, so to speak. 
But uh, welcome to all new listeners. Uh, what we like to do on these EDU shows is take what might seem like a rather simple topic and dive into it. That's why we call it EDU. We are sometimes asked, Chris, what does EDU stand for? Education. Um, I got the idea of calling it EDU because of Chris. Chris is a finance instructor at Colorado State University. And is it safe to say you are the director of the financial planning program or are wording that wrong? Uh, I do have that title, so that would be appropriate, yes. It's a okay. uh, uh, an uncompensated title. <laughs> I like to joke. <laughs> so it's a title that comes with extra work <laughs> that, that isn't particularly financially rewarding for me, but I enjoy well, doing it. Well, it's on a business card. Somebody's got to do it, and, you know, it's, uh, I, it's you know, part of my service uh, to the university, and I'm I'm happy uh, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, con- Thank you. On behalf of Colorado residents, thank you for for doing that for Colorado State University. Okay, so that's what gave me the idea of drilling into these EDU shows. And we got an email, gosh, just a couple of days ago that made me realize, and I thought, Chris, I can wait till June, which is National Annuity Awareness Month, and dive into it then. And I thought, no, there's a lot of people who are probably as confused as this gentleman was and just needs a little clarity. Again, on Section 204 of Secure Act, which for the first time ever allows an annuitized annuity to be calculated, uh, annuitized annuity inside an IRA. So let's say a qualified annuitized annuity to use that distribution in the calculation of your RMDs, which was never allowed in the past. And the whole intent, I think, of Congress in creating this was to help encourage people to annuitize some of their portfolio. And this is kind of a carrot rather than a stick. They're not forcing yet annuitization. And mark my words, I bet you someday in no time soon, they will force, they will make a QDI qualified, uh, qualified investment alternative, whatever it is inside a 401k uh, that can become, it's qualified something. I thought it was QDI, qualified investment something. I don't know, Google that. The qualified investment option of a 401k. What does that pop up, the name, Chris? Congress has changed 401k rules over the years to better retirement savings. And one of the things they've done is uh, for years, if you didn't choose your investments inside a 401k, uh, the manager of the 401k or the custodian or or the employer just defaulted you into the quote-unquote safest option, and that was pretty much the stable value of money market holding, and for years people got no growth. So Congress changed that, and I forget what they call it, qualified yeah. something. QDIA, QDIA, Qualified Default Investment Alternative. Okay. I, was, I knew it was something. So the QDIA, Qualified Default Investment Alternative, is that what you yeah, said? Alternative, yep. And within parameters, Congress allowed um, the 401k industry or the, the providers, whether it is the third-party administrator, whether it's the custodian or the, the um, company itself offering the plan, to choose investment options. And that's what gave birth truly to target date funds. That's why you see those funds inside 401ks 
consistently, and they have become the QDIA of choice. Do not be surprised. Now, Secure 2, we're not, we're going to talk Section 204, but Secure 2 itself also gave the industry what it had been lacking for decades, liability protection if offering an annuity option inside a 401k. There was no explicit, there was implicit protections from the Department of Labor, but nothing explicit. And no company wanted to say, ah, they're going to be okay. They're going to bail us out if something goes wrong. No. Nobody wanted to trust the government unless the government actually passed a law saying you are protected. And that's what Secure 2 did. So you might have heard a lot of hubbub that Secure 2, and it's kind of taken the wind out of the sail uh, or the balloon or whatever the hell that saying is, um, from Section 204, which we're going to talk about. But they have uh, passed laws that protect companies from lawsuits to be held liable if someone says 20 years later or 30 years later, you gave me this annuity option, but it's not as good as that annuity option, and you should have chose that one. I'm suing you. So as long as they follow strict rules, similar to the QDIA rules, which gave birth to um, target date funds as becoming the default options inside 401ks, if you follow those rules, annuities can now be offered inside 401ks. It's nascent. It's just at the beginning, not too many offer them. But mock my words, I think you're going to see two things happening. First, more and more and more annuities being available. And for those of you who are hoping that you're going to get a SPIA option, those aren't the annuities that are most likely going to be made available. This is not going to be in an annuity marketplace all of a sudden within your 401k. They're probably going to have one default annuity offering. So the annuities in question are geared more towards younger workers that if they start saving in, they're going to be a type of deferred annuity without annuitization. So there still would be an account balance that a younger worker could take with them if they so chose. All annuities within a 401k have to be portable so they can be moved out of the 401k if the the owner so chooses and wants to move them to an IRA. So there's going to be these unique rules to them. But if you they're designed to really work like the old defined benefit plan, Chris, if you work for a company and you saved in the defined benefit plan, when you re, otherwise known as a pension, when you retired, you would get an income stream. So that's really how the annuities are being designed. But do not doubt for a minute that Congress eventually passes a rule that mandates the QDIA, the Qualified Default Investment Alternative. Was that it? Qualified Default Investment Alternative, yes. Perfect. The QDIA eventually is an annuity or a portion of it must be in the annuity option. I think you will see that no time soon, but I think a decade or more from now, you will see Congress doing that as annuities become income style annuities become more and more commonplace inside 401ks. You can already see the beginning of this, folks, because 401ks also mandate that you be told about how much income 
your 401k can generate right now or based on how much you're going to continue to save. I'm not quite sure. I don't have a 401k. Uh, you do, Chris. Does it show what you have now or what you might have in the future at that current savings rate? Or has yours not done that yet? Mine hasn't they're supposed done that to yet. start. <clears throat> okay. By 24, they're supposed to start. I'm already seeing some 401k statements that show the potential income that your 401k can generate. It does not include Social Security or any contributions you're making to Social Security. I believe it makes the assumption of your current age, and if you keep saving at that rate plus a certain growth rate, you will get this much. I don't think it just shows you today what it is. It's at your current savings rate. I believe that's what it's doing. But Congress passed that rule as well. Can you see where Congress is going with this? They're trying slowly with carrots to get people to think income, not asset. And that's what we try to get you guys to think of constantly. Now, you all listen to this. You're too old for, to get benefits of any of this. Your kids and grandkids will benefit from these moves that are happening now. If you're in your 50s and 60s, that boat has sailed for you. But what Congress is trying to do is get younger people to change their mindset, to start thinking income. And I will freely admit a lot of their calculations they make on that statement is probably wrong. But at least it's getting people to think income. But back to what we're going to talk about today. This person, what Congress did also in Secure, besides make it easier to have annuities in 401ks, and you will see over the next five years, lots of annuities. They're coming on board, they're being pushed in, and you're going to see an annuity option in your 401k. It's not going to be an immediate income annuity option. Again, it's going to be more of the defined benefit style Keep saving in this for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you will get a certain amount of lifetime guaranteed income. It's going to be those types of annuities, folks. But Congress also buried into secure Section 204. And this has caused a lot of consternation uh, to me and to many of our listeners. Because as Congress often does, they say this is what you can now do. But what don't they say, Chris? That has to be done. And how to do it. That's what oh, I was true. going for. Okay. <laughs> okay. Chris is right. You don't have to use Section 204. But they didn't give any guidance on how to do it. Yeah. That and is, that's the issue. Yeah. If you read 204, it took effect immediately. Well, you it's because these last and secure as part of this group of this frantic legislation that's thrown together at the end of years that they're just, you know, not having the time to really review this stuff. And the people who know that this is going to be an issue have no time to point out, hey, you better add some detail here. You better clarify how this is going to work. They are shoved this stuff through so fast. It's just, it's sloppy. It's sloppy legislation. There's no other way to put it. It's, it's sloppy. I came across an article that I will also feature in an EDU show. And I came across it today when I was doing, I, I, every morning I get up about six o'clock, I lay in bed and I read and I look at things. And I came across this article that came out in 2014 in Forbes from an MIT economist. Much of what he wrote about in 2014 
of the problems with 401ks have been addressed. Insecure. I was floored by this old article. And you'll see, and I'll, I'll feature it, because he points out that people go about looking at retirement wrong, that 401ks have let people down because it's all about the sizzle and not the steak, or is it about the steak and not the sizzle? Or does it matter? It's all Which about one goes the sizzle first? and not the steak. It's all about the sizzle and not the steak. And the sizzle that he's referencing is account balances. Everyone's looking at the account balance. How much do I got? How much do I got? And he says, you're missing a boat. You got to look at income. And much of what he said needs to be done is starting to be done. And I'm just wondering if I'm not saying his little article in Forbes, the man's from MIT and an economist. He's brilliant. I'm wondering if he's been involved in Congress at all, getting them to to start doing this. And we'll feature that article um, on a future edu show and a game crosser just today from 2014 i'd never seen it for the past 10 years it's eye-opening okay back to this so one of the carrots they built in i think to encourage people to annuitize is to say hey most of your money's inside an ira and we're going to give you an additional benefit to annuitize your ira because when you annuitize your income is higher than you're going to get on your own in bonds, always will be because of mortality credits. So not only is it higher than you're going to get from bonds, it's significantly higher than the required minimum distribution tables. The distributions begin, and if you've got your calculator, Chris, I think you now keep the table handy because, you know, I hit you with this all the time. Uh Do a quick calculation of percentage-wise. At 73, take the divisor based on like a $100,000 distribution and then, you know, divide it in. Give me the percentage. How much of your IRA are you taking out year one at age 73? I bet you, folks, it's going to come back about 3.7 to 3. Maybe Mm -hmm. 3.6 to 3.8. I'm just – 3.77%. 3.77. 3.77%. 3.77. Pretty good. That was in my head. Yeah, very nice. So about 3.8% at 73. But a 73-year-old would probably get an annuity payment initially, single premium immediate annuity, an annuitized annuity, which is what Section 204 addresses, annuitized annuities, the verb, not the noun annuity, the verb annuity. I bet you. A male, if you want to look that up real quickly, Chris, on immediate annuities, um, say a 73-year-old male buying an income stream, about what percent are they getting out of it? Chris can do a quick calculation and tell us. I bet you it's close to double that. I I was going to say the same thing. It's probably about double that, but let me me, – So Chris will get us the exact percentages. I just want you to understand what Congress was trying to do. Congress was trying to help people who say, look, if I took, let's just say you had a $2 million IRA, and it doesn't matter, folks, if you have $200,000, a million, $5 million, I just chose two, okay? I, I, I don't like the emails where people say the number I chose is too big or too small. This is, I'm just trying to teach, I'm not trying to say anything else. Let's just say you had a $2 million IRA, though, and you're thinking of annuitizing a quarter of it, $500,000. 
you might sit there and say, gosh, under pre-secure two, pre-section 204, if you annuitized half a million dollars, and let's just say your withdrawal amount under RMDs was 3.77, let's round it to 3.8, but the annuity is going to pay you seven, you're going to sit there and say, I'm going to get substantially more money. Hey, that's kind of a good thing. Yes, that's not a bad thing. But some of you Vanguard G- VGs are also going to sit there and say, but wait a minute. I still got three quarters of my IRA left that I have to take a, a distribution from. And if I didn't annuitize these dollars, if I was taking 7% out and my RMD is only 3.7, the the, the remaining um, percent is the difference between the 7 and the 3.7, which is what, Chris? 4.2? No, 3.3. That additional 3.3 percentage points could have offset the RMD of my remaining 1.5 million if I didn't annuitize it. But if I do annuitize it, I still have to take out a full RMD. I'm not going to buy an annuity. There are many. The difference is even bigger than what we thought. And that's probably, you know, that's the since interest rates are up, you know, compared to where they were. In recent years, the uh, uh, payouts on a SPIA for these are single life for a male and a female, each 73 years old, are 9.2% for a male and 8.8% for a female. So way above the 3.7%. Way above, folks. So you can see people were saying, I like all the income I can get and all my money's in an IRA. But goodness. I still have to take out an RMD, in my example, from my other million and a half. And I'm going to be forced to take 9.3 if I was a male, 8 point something if I was a female, still significantly higher than the tables driving RMDs. Now, RMDs are not gender-specific tables. Annuities are until they pass a rule in the future not allowing that, which I wouldn't be surprised Congress doing, which means, guys, you'll get less. Women, you'll get more. Women live longer, so they get less. Men live shorter, so they get more. So annuity payments have not been um, gender neutral, if, if you will. But these are still payments, folks, significantly more than you need to take out. That's a good thing if you look at a lifetime guaranteed secure income. It's a bad thing if you're looking to control the RMDs from your remaining million and a half. Mm-hmm. So Congress passed Rule 204 and said any extra amount from your annuitized IRA beyond the required RMD can be used to offset your RMD from any remaining IRA you may have. Now, we're not saying that's a good or bad thing. A lot of people need to do proactive tax planning all the way through their 70s and maybe start getting a $2 million IRA down smaller, especially if there's going to be a widow-widower tax penalty or if you're trying to optimize an inheritance or if you're going to be leaving your IRA to to your special needs child who might be in a special needs trust that have all those tax inefficiencies that we've shared with you. So there could be any number of reasons why you're still going to take 
massive distributions from the remaining million and a half that I described. But what if there are? What if there are no overriding issues? You just don't want to have to take out more and it's keeping you from annuitizing. That's where Section 204 comes in. But the gentleman who sent me this email is missing how the calculation is going to go and is missing what I shared on the podcast last week that we have no clarity from the IRS on how to do this. And he references Ed Slot, but I think he's the, the quote is, is weak in what is being described, and he's still missing a very important element. So let me read his email, folks, and show you where he's going. He says, Dear Jim and Chris, I'm writing to ask you to please clarify what you said on last week's Q&A show. I thought it's going to require more time for you to address properly. I'm a dedicated listener and your podca- dedicated listener of your podcast and have been waiting patiently for you to address Section 204 of Secure Act 2. This is my request for you to do that now. Here is a quote from an interview with Ed Slott regarding Section 204. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say, quote, I, I guess this is from Ed. She didn't tell me where she got this, but I'm, I'm assuming it's from Ed. I don't think she got that part wrong. Before Secure Act 2, if you had an annuity within an IRA, it was if you had a separate IRA, said Slot. So here, it's from Slot, but not I don't know the article. Whatever the payout from the annuity was, it satisfied the RMD from that IRA, but it could not be used to satisfy the RMDs from any other IRAs. Now it can, end quote. What was said in that sentence is correct. And we talked about this on last week's Q&A show, Chris. But briefly, why don't you bring people up to date here? Prior to Secure 2, what would happen if you annuitized? And we're talking the verb, folks, not the noun. If you have an annuity inside an IRA and that annuity is not paying you out any income, it's just in the deferral stage. It's not what we're talking. We're talking an annuitized annuity. There's no balance left. There's no account balance left. You gave up action, excuse me, access to those dollars. You told the insurance company, you keep, in my example, you keep my half million. Here it is. I don't want it. You keep it. You got it. It's gone. In return, I get an income stream. And if you were, uh, according to Chris, a single male, giving an insurance company half a million dollars, your payout is going to be 9.3% of that, or you'll be getting $46,500 a year at 73 if you were to annuitize $500,000. So you don't have access to $500,000 anymore. Instead, you get a lifetime distribution of $46,500. So Chris, explain to people... What would, in the old rules, mm-hmm. how would that 46500 have been treated? So the first comment I'll make is remind people what makes up an RMD. The RMD is based upon the December 31st value of the account in question, and then you apply your appropriate divisor, 
we call it, to determine the RMD. So that's that's the basics of the calculation. There's some modifications and, and details for certain instances, but that's the basics. So prior to secure, if you were to annuitize, you now take some or all of your IRA, but we're talking about doing it with some, so you also still have some traditional IRA monies out there. But the annuitized portion, the IRS essentially said, even though before you annuitized, we considered all your IRAs one big IRA, and your RMD calculation would be based on this one big IRA, the annuitized portion that you've just converted to an income stream rather than an account balance, we're going to treat that differently. We're going to point to that as its own separate entity, and we will deem that the payments from that annuitized IRA portion, the payments you're receiving are defined to be the RMD from that separate account alone. They didn't allow any type of what's called aggregation past that. They carved that off and you now treat that as its own. Kind of like we see with 401ks, for instance, if you have multiple 401ks. Each 401k has its own distinct RMD. That's essentially kind of what was brought into the world of IRAs. Once you annuitized part of it, they carved that off and treated it separately. And so that big, you know, 9.2% distribution that was coming from there, which was well in excess of what an RMD would normally have been from $500,000, you're getting a huge payment out of there, you know, based on today's calculations. These The rates that I just pulled were, were quotes from you know, today here at the end of uh, January of 2024, if you're listening to this at a different time, those, you know, that, that annuitization rate is going to be different. But based on that, it's, you can see it's well in excess of the actual RMD you would normally have to uh, have taken from that carved off separate account. And before Secure Act 2, there's nothing you could do about it. It was just what it was. They then looked at the other part of your IRA that had not been annuitized and said all those other IRA or IRAs that you might have, you need to use those account balances separately to determine the RMD from there. And now you've got this one big payment that represents an RMD from one account that's annuitized and a separate distinct RMD from all your other IRAs. And you have to take all of that out to meet your requirements. So long time, Chris is 100% correct. And long time listeners will know, we always told people there's a caveat to that. The first year of annuitization. <clears throat> because RMDs are based on the year before, December 31st sure. of the year before, under the old rules, pre-secure two rules, using my same $2 million, if you will, folks. So somebody who had exactly $2 million in their IRA on December 31st of 2023, it's 2024 now, of 2023, that's their RMD value to use for all distributions in 2024. Mm -hmm. So they know that's my account balance, $2 million. That was it last year at December 31st. So in 2024, doesn't matter what happens in 2024. Market can go up, market can go down. You can take your RMD when that $2 million doubled to four. Again, extreme example, but it theoretically could have doubled to four or lost 50% and dropped to one in 2024. That does not affect your RMD for 2024 at all. 
because what locked it in was the December 31st value of the year before. So under the old rules, in the year you annuitized, Ed Slot used to always teach us in his, his courses, you can use the entire annuity payment, the entire annuitized annuity payment to offset your RMD because you have the known, which is the account balance right. of the year before. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's what's going to lead us to reveal the issue with post-Secure Act application of the new rule. Because exactly. here, clearly, we did have an identifiable account balance on December 31st. We then annuitized part of it, but that doesn't matter because that happened after that account balance was set, which determines your, in your example, 2024 RMD. You pre-Secure Act in years following, you couldn't do that because you lost vision of the account balance. The account balance for the part that was annuitized has now disappeared. There is no account balance. It's all income coming to you. You now have an income promise from the insurance company. That's what you're dealing with, which is not the same as an account balance, which is going to lead into post-Secure Act complications. Right. The account balance, Chris is right, disappeared, but the IRA did not. You still had a SPIA IRA, and it was still sending a 1099 with a distribution every year. And under the old rules, once it was annuitized, that entire distribution was considered the RMD for that IRA and that IRA only and could not be combined. Now, the listener continues with her email. The quote continues in the article. RMDs are now aggregated among all of an IRA owner's accounts, including annuities, said Slot. Mm -hmm. That's everything we've just been talking about. So the article continues. And here's where the client got a little bit confused. So if a client's total RMD for all their IRA assets is calculated to be 35000 This is for all their IRA assets, folks, including this hypothetical annuity. And they have an annuity with an IRA that pays $30,000 in income annually. All of that $35,000 can be used against the client's RMD, said Slot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's true, and we totally agree with Ed Slot on this. (laughs) Right? She continues. I didn't notice anywhere a mention of valuation for the annuity by Ed Slot Mm -hmm. or in the text of Section 204. So I don't know where this idea came from that we need to wait for guidance on the valuation. Why can't we just do as Ed says and use the income from the annuity and count it towards our RMD for that year? Maybe an EDU show would be better, uh, excuse me, maybe an EDU show would be better to address this question. Yeah, and it's because she's skipping that one key step, which is establishing the RMD to begin with. Exactly. That's what he didn't, Ed Slot didn't go into. He just said the RMD, like it magically appeared. That's the challenge, establishing the RMD that is in fact required for the year, when including all your IRAs, even the ones, the portion of it that has been annuitized, establishing that based on RMD rules 
Once you have that, now you are able to apply the annuity payment towards that total big RMD. But Jim's going to describe the challenge with establishing that RMD in the first place. Exactly. Listener and listeners. That's the issue. Just because it wasn't in Section 204 means diddly squat. Congress just creates the law. It's the IRS that has to give guidance. Congress rushed this through and did not say how. It just said you can do this, but not how. And the law is quite explicit, folks. You have to take the value of all your IRAs together. All of them. The fact that you have an annuitized IRA and you don't have access to that money anymore does not remove the fact that that is still an IRA. It is. And there is money coming out of it. Congress was, again, just trying to give you a carrot. I think like that the article from the MIT professor uh, from 2014, I think they read it. And they said, wow, that guy made a good point. Let's give them a carrot. Let's let them use this. But they didn't give any direction. But the Internal Revenue Code says to determine your RMD, you must look at the year-end value of all IRAs. You're, in fact, supposed to figure out all IRAs individually what their RMD is. And then add them together, and that's your total RMD. Now, most people will just add the value of their IRAs together and figure out one RMD. But I still have clients to this day who do it on their own and then ask us to proof it, uh, and they look at each IRA separately. The math will get you to the same place. Math gets you to the same place. But let me share a little bit because this listener wants a little bit more background of why this is difficult. We are talking about the verb annuity. That's annuitization. You took a noun, an annuity, and you did an action. You turned it into a lifetime stream of income. That's why we call it the verb annuity. And that's what a single premium immediate annuity, and that's specifically what Secure was going after. But there are many other types of annuities you can own inside an IRA. You can own variable annuities. You can own fixed annuities. You can own indexed annuities. And these types of annuities are annuities that grow account balances. And they can be held for a very, very, very long time. And you can hold them inside an IRA even after you have to start taking RMDs. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's an account balance. You haven't changed the noun to the verb. You just have an annuity that you are deferring any type of guaranteed income from. So it has an account balance. And if it's past its penalty period, because as most of you should know, annuities come with a penalty period. If it's past its penalty period or the contingent deferred sales charge period where the insurance company is going to charge you a penalty if you take your money out. Once it's past that period, the account balance just continues to grow. If it's on a fixed chassis, it's going to likely grow at a fixed rate of interest. If it's on a fixed chassis but 
indexed, which is a very popular type of deferred annuity, the indexed annuity, uh, your interest credits are going to vary depending on whatever index it's tied to. But if it's on a traditional fixed chassis, they're going to state to you every year what interest they're going to give you. And every year they'll tell you. And if it's on a variable chassis, you're going to be allowed to invest your dollars inside that annuity, inside what are called sub-accounts. They look like mutual funds. They act like mutual funds. They might have the same name as a mutual fund, but they have drastically different fee structures to them. And they're called sub-accounts, not mutual funds. But you can invest your dollars in those sub-accounts, if you will, and your account balance will go up or down depending on its performance. Those annuities are very common. Those annuities may have the ability to turn them into a verb, but they don't force it. So they can sit inside IRAs very easily because the account balance is fairly easy to determine. You just look at it. Or so you would think. About, and I wish I knew exactly when this rule came out. But I'm going to say somewhere around six to eight years ago, the IRS passed a rule, not Congress, that said, hey, wait a minute. If you have one of these nouns inside your IRA and you are past RMD age, you can't just look at the account balance. You have to get the balance for RMD purposes from the insurance company. And they called it the interpolated annuity value because it dawned on the IRS that, gee, many of these annuities, these nouns, if you will, have what are called income benefits or quote-unquote living benefits. You don't have to annuitize them. If you keep them, you get these withdrawal benefits. And these benefits, I don't want to get too deeply into them. This I'll save for June when we have a Annuity Awareness Month dedicated shows to explain to you. But these types of annuities, as they sit inside your IRA, yes, they have an account balance. But if you turn them into income, you all of a sudden have all these other bells and whistles You might have a benefit base value significantly greater than your account balance value. And if you turn it on to an annuitized stream of income, you're going to be able to annuitize a higher value or withdraw a higher value. Some have benefits built in of guaranteed minimum interest rates or all these other unique features That the IRS had just dawned on them out of the blue one day and said, you know what? I think looking at these annuity account balances is too low. The true value of this annuity is far greater than the account balance indicates because many of them have all these behind the scenes bells and whistles, what I would call complexities. And they do. They're complex as hell. They have all these complexities behind the scene and that if the person was to turn this into an income stream, even though they're not forced to, they could, they're going to get a lot more income than the account balance indicates. So we want that balance, the interpolated annuity value to actually be used for RMD purposes, 
not the account balance on the statement. They came out and said that. So when we work with clients who have these annuities and they're inside an IRA, we can't look at the account balance. We have to get the value from the insurance company. Some insurance, and you have to go by what the insurance company tells you. So all you Vanguard, VG, Excel spreadsheet programming geeks out there, you can plug these numbers in and come up with your own interpolated annuity value following whatever calculation you want. But if it differs from the insurance company, you're SOL. Because Kong, excuse me, the IRS has said, you got to use what the insurance company tells you, not some number that you create. They were explicit on that. And that's where I'm going to with this whole section 204. The IRS has mandated you must take the interpolated value of a non-annuitized annuity. It's sitting there. You have an account balance. You can see it. They're saying that's not good enough. You got all these bells and whistles. You got to get the value from the insurance company. You can't do it yourself. Well, there's many nuances to the value of a SPIA payment. You've got mortality credits. You've got the embedded interest rates. You've got the mortality table. What mortality table are we using? You have some annuities that have a a, a, a COLA adjustment to them, 2% a year, 4% a year, 6% a year, whatever the case may be. You have some that are joint and survivor with 100% survivor or 50% survivor or some that are joint and survivor with someone who's not even the spouse who's decades younger or decades older. You have all these unknown issues as well with annuitized spears. So Congress doesn't know. Congress are idiots, folks. They get their heads up there. You know what? They're just coming out and trying to pass this and say, hey, you can do it. But they have no guidance. And the IRS hasn't given us any guidance. They made it perfectly clear. Non-annuitized, noun annuities with account balances. You have to get the interpolated annuity value for RMD purposes from the insurance company. But they've given no guidance now on an annuitized annuity. But we need the account balance because that's how RMDs are figured out. What is the value of that lifetime stream of income? That's why I said we're waiting for guidance. But Congress wasn't waiting for guidance. Congress gave you guys the okay to do this now. So, Ed, and I've talked about this on previous shows. Until I get guidance, I'm hesitant to get any deeper than this EDU. But Ed Slot has told us, call the insurance company and get the value from them. And if they don't give it to you, Don't do it or figure it out yourself, but be prepared to defend it in an audit. That's really what it's going to come down to. But you have to be able up with the lump sum value on December 31st of 2023. Not today to determine your 2024, but what was it worth December 31st of 2023? What was the value of that lifetime stream of income with all the nuances built in? How are you going to value it? 
What says you, Chris, on how should you? And we're not going to tell people how to do it. There's Google it. There's many ways to value a lifetime stream of income. But you also have to be able to you don't know what interest rate the insurance company's using. They don't share that info. Can you make up your own? Can you use the insurance companies? Do you have to use current interest rates or do you use the interest rate that was used when the annuity was annuitized? I don't know. Do you know, Chris? I have no idea. Nobody knows for sure what's going to be acceptable to the IRS. That's the challenge. Now, since it is vague, I suspect that if you were to use reasonable methods in doing this and you used a reasonable approach, a good faith effort to do this, given the current legislation that says you can do it, just we don't give you the detail, that it's likely that you'll probably end up okay. But you hear how soft that is. I'm saying it likely that you'll probably. Uh, that's the challenge. And, you know, it really comes down to you know, this is a, a an issue dealing with the IRS. Some people out there are very aggressive and they feel like what they're doing is reasonable. They're not going to ask permission. They'll ask for forgiveness if, if it turns out the IRS doesn't like it. And they just tend to be more aggressive in their treatment of gray area items with the IRS. Other people are much more conservative. I'm much more uh, you know, worried about the, the time, the cost, the, the mental anguish of uh, defending against you know, uh, questions by the IRS and something like that. So I'm personally very hesitant to utilize a, a, a method that we or someone else comes up with without uh, the insurance company coming up with kind of the official method that they support uh, which then the IRS will take because they've essentially blessed that approach with their treatment of these variable annuities where they uh, ask you to get the interpolated, the interpolated annuity value from the insurance company and use that. They've expressly said that's their method that they want you to use. So I suspect that's where this is headed for annuitized annuities as well. But uh, we don't know the back office conversations that are happening between the insurance uh, industry and the IRS, even if there are some. I would hope that the industry is providing some suggestions to the IRS about how you know they might be able to implement this for in service to their clients to make this as pain-free as possible. Uh, but I don't know. We do, we just don't know what that's what that's going to be. So technically, the law allows you to do this, but doesn't give you the details, the instructions for how to pull it off. So you'll have to decide if you're going to wing it, do it your own way and be prepared to defend it. If the IRS doesn't like your way or hold off until we get cleaner guidance and maybe the insurance companies then are required to provide a value, which will then cleanly allow you to do exactly what you're trying to do through this aggregation technique and applying some of that excess distribution from the annuity against RMDs from other IRA accounts, which is what everybody's interested in using Section 204 to do. Yeah, I would be shocked, folks, if the IRS comes out with any guidance short of you got to use the one from the insurance company. Mm -hmm. They're not going to make this the Wild West where people are just going to do their own calculations. Yeah. Now, I know many of our listeners are experts in Excel. There's one in particular. I know you're listening to this. I don't know if you're listening to it as soon as it dropped. I'm not going to say who you are. You're George from Arizona. You know who you are. You sent me that wonderful expose on why I should be using Monte Carlo. 
He is brilliant. And you know who that gentleman is, Chris. Mm -hmm. He's brilliant with Excel. He's smarter than I am. I'm dumb as a brick when it comes to Excel. I can guarantee you he could probably write a spreadsheet that will figure this all out and could easily defend it to the IRS. And right now he could probably do it. And many of you probably can. So if you do have annuitized annuities, you have the verb, not the noun. You got that verb and it's inside an IRA. You could probably come up with something to give you a reasonable current value. The reason people are having difficulty getting it from the insurance companies and colleagues of mine have told me they're not getting the info. The reason is it never was required because as soon as it was annuitized, the RMD, excuse me, the distribution from that annuity was the RMD for that IRA. The insurance company never had to track the interpolated value of that annuity in any given year because its entire distribution was the RMD. They are well prepared of tracking the interpolated value of non-annuitized noun annuities, but not for the annuitized ones. So it doesn't surprise me, especially last year, one year into this, a couple of months into it, people were calling the insurance companies and asking them for it. Do you think they just have that lying around? Seriously? Insurance companies are bass. They're worse than me. I'm being so bass-ass backwards. In technology, they're worse than me. They don't have that up and running yet. So I do think the IRS is going to come out and mandate this. They just haven't yet. They haven't codified yet, folks, the rules for Secure One. True. And that's four years ago. We still don't know under Secure One if you are a non-spousal beneficiary inheriting an IRA after the required beginning date of the IRA owner, do you have to take RMD, excuse me, prior to the required beginning date, sorry, not after, prior to the required beginning date, do you have to take money out of the annuity for the first nine years? Remember, you have to close it by year 10. They haven't, they they said yes, but then they came out and said, well, no. And they've continued with the no for the last three years. They haven't clarified that. It's four years. So I don't know how long before they clarify this. But I do know the law has allowed you to do this. We're not telling you not to do this. I would start by calling your insurance company who has your annuitized verb annuity calling them up and saying, hey, I want to take advantage of Section 204. Can you tell me the current lump sum value of this lifetime stream of income I'm receiving from you? Maybe they'll give it to you. If they don't, do it on your own and just be prepared to defend it. So let's go back as we wrap up, because I know where this woman got confused. The article is not well-worded, listener. It's poorly worded. As someone who has not been interviewed, nearly as many times as Ed. In the, I don't deal with the media anymore. I don't try to get into their publications. But when I was about a decade or so ago and quoted often, 
I sometimes would have taught, you know me, folks, I might have had that reporter on the poor, poor thing on the phone with me for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And it's just one or two sentences that wasn't really what I said. So it's not well laid out here what they're saying. But she got confused here, Chris. And I think the article is made a mistake and they put 35 instead of 30. Let me reread the last sentence again, Chris. And it's allegedly quoting Ed Slot. So if a client's total RMD for all their IRA assets is calculated to be 35000 and they have an IRA annuity and that IRA pays out 30000 in income annually, all of that 35000 I think the article should have said thirty. all of that 30000 can be used against the client's RMD. So that was a mistake when they put 35. Ed is saying all of the $30,000 IRA annuity can be used to offset their $35,000 RMD. But where you're missing the boat, listener, that $35,000 RMD includes the RMD of the annuity. The article doesn't say what that RMD is, but it's clear. Ed says if a client's total RMD for all their IRAs, remember I told you your annuitized IRA does not have an account balance physically. You can't close it and take it out, but it's still technically an IRA. Not technically, legitimately, it is an IRA. So in this example, that $35,000 total RMD includes the RMD of the lump sum value of that annuity. Let's just say that the annuity's RMD was $20,000. Just making this up, listener, so you can follow. So when Ed quoted 35, it includes the 20 from that IRA annuity in my hypothetical explanation. And that's why Ed was saying you can use the entire 30 to reduce your $35,000 RMD. That's what was not explained to you in this article. But I believe that's what the article in Ed was referencing. Now, the article was wrong, again, when it said you can use all of that 35000 against right. the client's RMD. No, the client's RMD is 35000 mm-hmm. You can use all of the $30,000 SPIA payment to offset the $35,000 RMD. Yeah, I found the article. Tell- I found the article, but now that you've given us a lot of this extra detail. And it is, I agree, a typo. I was worried that where maybe they copied it or typed it into their email to us incorrectly. But no, it is it is incorrect in the way you're describing uh, in the actual article. It's an article and uh, uh, at Financial Advisor okay. magazine. So the article didn't go to me, and maybe it does in the article. I don't know. Going to great lengths of how this hypothetical $35,000 RMD was determined. It's a little tiny blurb that uh, the uh, the author, if Ed went into it in detail, the author clipped it down to be a very short little snippet in this overall article. This article uh, addresses several things 
uh, six different IRA tax changes for 2023. And this is one of those six, and it's just a small okay. little blurb. So, so it's uh, not an all the detail article at all yeah, that addresses what we talked about today in an hour-long show uh, was not addressed in this article. So anyways, we are not telling you not to take advantage of 204. We're not going to tell you how to figure out the current value because I don't want to be held responsible if you use what we tell you and, and then the IRS throws that out. You got to come up with your own way of valuing that lifetime stream of income. And don't don't not, I know that's a double negative, but don't put off annuitizing an annuity, especially a spear with these very generous payouts that you can get because you don't have clarity on this. You guys are smart. And the first annuity payment is easy. I told you that already. So maybe by next year, if you were to do that this year, you don't have to worry about this to 2025. And maybe by then we'll have clarity. Mm-hmm. But if not, you guys are smart enough to come up with a reasonably defendable way if you're ever audited. And keep in mind, your chances of being audited are like less than 1%. I'm not saying to ignore it. You could very well be audited. But don't worry that, geez, if guidance doesn't come out for another five years, what if I get audited? Just be prepared to defend it. That's all. Because Congress gave you the ability to take advantage of this. It's just that the IRS, being a bureaucratic agency, is going to take forever. I think they're going to have to clarify Secure 1, and they haven't even done that yet, before they start clarifying Secure 2. Hopefully I'm wrong. But don't let the lack of guidance dissuade you. Just come up with a very reasonable way, in your opinion, of valuing the lump sum benefit each December 31st. That's the key. You have to value it on December 31st of the previous year. So you're going to have to use whatever variables you're going to use. They're going to have to be set on December 31st. And if you can come up with that, use it. I wouldn't not do this. And if a client said, Jim, should I do this? Absolutely. We would have to work with a client, obviously, because they're relying on us to help them come up with a defendable measure, and we likely would. And it would have to be defended. Congress created this nightmare. I do think the IRS is going to be very lenient if your math makes actuarial sense. If you come out and try to value it at an outrageously low price, which is what you're going to want to do. Oh, my lifetime stream of income on that 46500 Yeah, I know I put half a million in last year, but this year it's only worth $63,000. That, that's all it's worth this year. That's my value. They're not going to let that fly. But if you truly come out with it and give it a reasonable value, then Use that value as part of your RMD calculation. Come up with the total value of your RMD. Then use the full value of that annuity payment and subtract it from that and stick with it. I'm fine with it until we get better clarity. What is your thoughts, Chris? Because I I kept saying we and you're your own man. What is your thoughts? Yeah, the first thing I would say is whenever you're sticking your neck out – with this type of risk that you'll be doubted by the IRS, I would make sure you have a good answer to the following question. Is being forced to take out the other RMD not applying it this way, using maybe the old rule where 
uh, you're not aggregating like this, is it causing you some type of harm that you are trying to avoid? I wouldn't probably pursue this just because you can. Uh, make sure you're doing it for a good reason because you are, I think, taking some risk that uh, this will you'll you'll do it you know wrong. And even if you end up being proven right, the act of answering the questions and the the reach out from the IRS is going to give you angst. It's going to cost you money if you uh, ask someone for help to justify your position. It's going to take time and effort. It's not cost free even if you prevail. So I'd make sure you're, there's a good reason for doing it. And then if there is, then pursuing it in a reasonable way, I do think, as I said before, if you use a reasonable approach in good faith, you're probably going to be fine if you get questioned. But make sure that the trouble is worth it, even if you, if you were to get questioned, that, that you were getting some clear benefit from doing it this way. Many people are probably pursuing something that really isn't that big a deal for them. Some people will. So just make sure you have, have the right answer to that question before you go down that path. And then finally, you might be saying, well, how the hell are they ever going to catch this? Theoretically speaking, they have everything they need to catch you. Because the IRA providers, non-annuitized IRA providers, your, your regular account balance IRAs, even if they're at an insurance company holding the now, not the verb, they just hold an annuity that you're, you're growing wealth in and you have all these living benefits. And we'll talk about this again in June, folks. So stick around. I'll get into what living benefits are and what all that means. Those annuity companies have to report to the IRS every year the value of that annuity for RMD purposes. Excuse me, that IRA for RMD purposes. So the IRS is going to see those values, SPIAs purchased inside IRAs, do not mandate that the SPIA company report an interpolated value of that annuity because the distribution from that IRA is deemed to be that distribution and that distribution only. And I believe the it's, it's treated as a defined benefit plan. So I'm just thinking how they could catch this. Well, in my example, again, of $2 million IRA, and then you annuitize a quarter of it, the reason they won't, quote unquote, catch it the first year is they're basing everything off of the December 31st value. That was all being reported. And they're seeing all this distribution coming out. But the second year, they're just going to see you having a million and a half IRA. And they're going to assume that you're going to be taking out a certain amount of an RMD. But I don't think the SPIA payment coming over is coded to them as a quote-unquote RMD. Or, I don't know. I wish we had one of our CPAs on right now of how that is reported to the IRS. So they might sit there and say, whoa, wait a minute. We're not seeing enough money coming out of this because they have your age. They know how old you are. They can determine using the uniform lifetime table what you should have taken out based on the value of all your IRAs that for RMD purposes that are being reported to them by the custodian. Maybe that's how they catch you. But that's also putting a lot of faith in their software and abilities to do this. And I, I don't know if they are that efficient. But they theoretically have all the information they need I just don't know if they have a well-run computer system that can actually do that. 
So again, I'm not saying you won't be audited, but just be prepared to defend it. And that's Ed's take right now. And that's that's how I'll leave. Mm -hmm. Y'all are smart people. If you're listening to this, you're smart. And if you got this annuity or you're considering buying a SPIA, I would start offsetting your RMDs immediately. Just be ready to defend it. But as Chris said, if there's no need to, if you still got to take all the extra money out, then then don't bother with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, glad we could tackle that. I think a lot of people have been waiting for that, and I'm glad we could clear up uh, some confusion that maybe kind of was brought forth by that little snippet from the article. The article, yeah, was, be very careful when you read too much. articles, folks. Yeah. And Ed will tell you, Ed's quoted everywhere constantly. Every week, Ed's being quoted. And I'm sure he would tell you if he was here. He probably cringes when he sees some of the articles just not quite quoting him correctly or just giving snippets of a quote with no background to it. But whenever you see an article like that too, the top six, whatever it said, and it's only a page or two long, they're not getting deep into any of these things. So um, anyways, I'm glad you you looked that up and, and found that that clearly was a typo in the article because that should have been 30,000, right. not 35. Yeah, I agree. So thanks, everybody, right, for uh, listening, and thanks for bringing that article. We'll have another fascinating show, I'm sure, uh, next week on the EDU. And, uh, yeah, everybody take care, and we'll be back with you next week with a brand-new show. You have listened to Jim on the radio, read his quotes in the media, and enjoyed his banter on iTunes. But even now you may wonder what sets Jim Salmier and Associates apart from other financial planning companies. The answer is quite simple. Jim's diverse team of professionals specializes in retirement planning. They form a lifelong relationship with you and measure their success not through product sales, but through the security and prosperity you may achieve in your retirement. Jim's entire team shares his unwavering commitment to placing their clients' best interests first while offering their services at fair prices with full disclosures. The professionals at Jim Saulnier & Associates are available to assist you with your retirement planning needs. Visit jimhelps.com to schedule your complimentary coffee and a second opinion meeting. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S, dot com. Or call 970-530-0556. The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 